My name is Vanessa. I was born in Nayarit, Mexico. Most of the people in that town is family to me. We didn't have much of what you have here in the US, no luxury, everything is used. Every tree had a purpose, every plant had a purpose. My mother had moved to the US since I was eight. And after five years is when she sent for us. She wanted me to be here and go through school because in Mexico, most of the girls stopped going to school after middle school. I was already in my eighth grade. Coming to the US was not one of the things I wanted to do, but because of what it meant for me, families together, it's a big, big deal. I made that decision. I wanted to speak with my mother, so there was a hope there. The idea of a coyote in, in Mexico is people that help those that needed to come across the border. In the U.S., a coyote is a criminal. In Mexico, the coyotes in our town were seen as respectable people. They get very good treatment by the people. They're like heroes to many of them. Family back at home had contacts with a coyote in Tijuana. And that was an elderly person that used to help a lot of people that come from our town. This coyote family had a two-story home, nice cars. They were very well off. The man came, picked me up with his wife, got to know me, then they treated me really nice. During lunch, he actually talked to me about what was gonna be. This other person was gonna cross me, but there was gonna be someone that he trusted. And then we drove to the meeting spot. He said goodbye to me very nicely. In Spanish, we say, nos vamos a ver pronto. Then he handed me off to this other coyote. They spoke. He just said, you take good care of this girl. If anything happens, you pay. You pay with your life. Then after that, I drove with the other men. He was probably 30s, 40s probably. There was something in that man that I just did not trust that man. We went to a gas station and I remember he went to the restroom next to you know he comes out of there with his hair all wet and then he's trying to put his hand across me, across my shoulders. When he tried to put his hand around my neck, I move away. That's when he said to me, we need to pretend you are with me, to pretend that we were together. I've been 5'9 ever since I was 11, built already. Yes, I had a body that could go for a 20, but I was a 13-year-old girl. What kind of man this is? I was scared. I was like, oh gosh, I don't even know where I am. We kept driving towards the border. And then a couple of miles before he got to cross, he said that he will put me behind the back seat and to be quiet. And that it was going to be very easy, that he had contacts. And by that, I think he meant contacts with the border patrols. He stopped. Then I realized when he opened the trunk that the gas was in a big tanks of plastic. I thought, okay. And then he took the seat back out. And then there was this hole cut out. He said, you're going to get in here and I'm going to close it. And I'll tell you when I cross. And then it kind of clicked on me that it was a gas tank. While I was inside, it's, it was very dark. And the only thing I could see was a hole, probably the size of the penny. 
And then when he, when we cross, I remember them saying identification. identification and then they just the car just start moving. Ten minutes, fifteen minutes, he stopped again, and he came in the back seat. He opened it and he said, "Okay, now you can go, you know, and sit down." So I had to sit next to him. That was, I think, the most uncomfortable part because I remember seeing him grabbing a key, taking it inside of something, and it was white powder and sniffing. That freaked me out. And then him talking about, so what are you gonna do in the US? And you know, I mentioned to him, oh, because I wanna go to school and my mother is gonna help me. And he said, Well, I can help you. I was 13, but I knew, you know, he was perverted. He even offered that powder, you know. I said, no, no, thank you. He takes me to his home where my uncles and my mother were gonna pick me up. When he got to his home, he behaved totally different. He wouldn't even talk. So he was like a different person. The wife sat down and started talking to me, very nice. And um, she started doing a prayer and she's talking about God. And I'm just thinking to myself, does she even know what this man is doing? When my uncles showed up, I run. I just run straight to my mom and just got in the car. I hugged them, I hugged my mother, I cried. Yeah, it felt, it felt great because it was, okay, this is over. I was able to go to school. I was able to graduate from UCLA. I'm married to a wonderful man and I have a five-year-old and I have a great life. But every time someone tells me they're trying to come for any reason when I talk to my friends or family in Mexico, I keep asking them why. Here, the networks of support are not in this country as they're in your country. I still think about it like if I would have been an adult, I wouldn't think I can trust anyone with my daughter. And there's a lot of not happy ending stories when it comes to border crossing. If I would have known what I know now, I don't think I would have done it. Big thanks to Vanessa for telling her story. If you have a story you think the world needs to hear, let us know on our website, snapjudgment.org. That piece was produced by Stephanie Fu with sound design by none other than Pat Masidi Miller. You are listening to Snap Judgment, and to hear more stories, visit snapjudgment.org.